Hi friend, registration will be opening soon for the School of Christian Health and Nutrition. Carly and I have put together a short mini-series of videos called The Science of God's Divine Design. It's going to give you an inside peek at the way that we teach biblical health, plus give you early access into the school and a special discount, but only for people who watch this special series, which you can find at thechristiannutritionist.com slash divine design. This is only available from March 6th to the 16th. So if you have even the tiniest mustard seed of interest or curiosity about the School of Christian Health and Nutrition, go watch this free set of videos to get the best information, access, and price. It's at thechristiannutritionist.com slash divine design. Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body, so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? I've been getting some questions about fasting, which is common and normal when we are moving into a new round of Feast to Fast. And one of the questions that I often get is, how long should I fast? You know, what is that number? What's the best number for me to shoot for every day? And, you know, that is can be different for different people people, you know, depending on your health condition, depending on your goals, you know, what is your goal? Is it weight loss? Is it to overcome stomach issues like digestive problems? Is it for the longevity and anti-aging aspects of fasting that you're interested in? Is it for brain clarity? Is it for energy? Um, you might be like out there, like raising your hand, like, yes, yes, all of the above. I'll take it all sister. Because, you know, those benefits of fasting are well established. And I just, I want to remind you of those because if you're not on the fasting train yet, girl, you need to get on board. If your goal is to lose weight, fasting helps the body burn fat. You know, that's what we're doing in Feast of Fast. We are promoting this metabolic flexibility, letting our bodies have that opportunity to need to tap into the fat stores, which is what fasting helps us do. Um, fasting helps us overcome some digestive issues simply by allowing our bodies that opportunity, that break, that nice long break between dinner and breakfast to not have to digest, to have that rest mode. And along with that, when you're eating well and fasting and you're able to burn fat and carbs and be metabolically flexible, you can go between meals longer. And when you do that, when you give yourself, you know, at least four hours between meals, you're not snacking and grazing and, you know, eating every two to three hours like we were advised to do in the 90s and the you know, early 2000s, um, then your body can get through a, a full digestive cycle, you know, and then have a little break. So it's if you're eating so often throughout the day, you're just, you're putting a lot of demands on your digestive system. So um, it can be really helpful for overcoming some digestive problems. Um, obviously, 
Um, fasting is great for anti-aging, for longevity of health, for energy. It boosts mitochondria, which is the energy maker in your cells. It helps renew your cells. It can replace the bad parts with the good parts. Um, fasting helps with extending something called telomeres. So telomeres are the caps at the end of each strand of DNA that protect our chromosomes. Think of it kind of like the plastic at the end of your shoelace. Okay, if that shoelace cap cracks and falls off, that shoelace gets frayed, you know, but you can't thread it back through the holes. It's just a hot mess. It doesn't work anymore. And so it's kind of like what happens when our telomeres get damaged um, or shorter. The more damaged and shorter telomeres get, the more you increase the incidence of illness and disease. And plus that is a marker for being closer to death. And so one thing that fasting does is help protect and extend those telomere caps. Okay, fasting is also great for helping your body to recognize to hear to receive hormones in a more efficient and effective way. So it can help us overcome some of those resistances that we build up to hormones like insulin resistance, or leptin resistance. Okay, and then also fasting is just amazing for brain health for mental clarity for cognition. I hear from so many women that they live in just kind of like this constant brain fog, like they're swimming through their minds trying to remember something or come up with the word or, you know, the memory they're trying to, to bring up. And it's just like, you know, we're like 10 beats behind. And we don't have time for that, y'all. We need clear, sharp, energetic brains right now. And as we age, because if we're already having trouble with our brains in our 30s and 40s, it doesn't bode well for where we'll be in our 60s and 70s. You know, Alzheimer's is not something that just kind of randomly hits you when you, you know, get older, like in your 70s. It's a slow progression that can start 20 years before it fully manifests. So we need to recognize that and take care of our brains now. And fasting is wonderful that. So those are, you know, all the physical and mental benefits of fasting. They're well established and amazing. And like I said, I just like to remind you of that in case you're not yet on board, are unsure or nervous about fasting need the encouragement. Um, I just want you to, you know, understand all the benefits that come with it. And like I said, those are the physical and mental, but y'all the spiritual benefits. Fasting has its roots as a spiritual practice a discipline that is meant to draw us closer to God. It's one of those things that I feel like it helps close that gap between the physical realm and the spiritual realm. You know, we're denying ourselves physically so that we can strengthen ourselves spiritually. And there's a lot that can happen when we are including fasting as a spiritual practice. I remember when I read the book Eat Fast Feast, and I also interviewed the author of that book, J.W. Richards, here on the podcast. Great book. It was a great podcast. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. And one of the things that he said in the book is that there's only one thing that Satan fears even more than prayer, and that's prayer and fasting. Because when you pair fasting with prayer, you release like a supernatural whip on the enemy. You know, it's like stirring up this supernatural power that can overcome worldly, earthly, and physical problems. So it is just extremely 
powerful to bring fasting in for all levels. It's just this true foundation of integrating spirit, mind, and body health. Now, when it comes to how long we should fast, I think many of us think that we're only you know, spiritual, if we're doing these longer extended fasts, like 24 hours or more, and that intermittent fasting is mostly about physical and mental health and not so much about connecting with God. But today I want to talk about how we are connecting with God when we intermittent fast, because we're tapping into our body in relation to creation. And when it comes to eating and fasting, we've got to consider this bigger picture of the way God designed our bodies to work in sync with creation. This, this is the kind of topic I love, y'all. It makes me feel like a super crunchy earth mama. <laughs> and so connected to God. I'm just, I love when I can bring, you know, make all these connections and, and think about what we're doing in this way. So I want to dig into this concept, this idea of circadian rhythm feeding and fasting. And I think it will help give you some insight about how long we fast and should that be the same number every day and um, just kind of how our bodies respond to it. So, you know, when we get advice on intermittent fasting, it's really common to, for people, you know, programs, teachers out there to recommend a daily 16 hour fast with an eight hour eating window. It's kind of this static, the static number, like that's your goal every day, fast 16 hours, eat in an eight hour eating window. You'll hear this reference to the fasting window and the eating window, which is pretty straightforward. You know, the fasting window is the time period of day that you don't eat. The feeding window is the time period of day that you do eat. The feeding window is often referred to as time restricted eating. You may see it abbreviated as TRE. And it's the intentional hours of the day that you eat all your meals, your feeding window. It's the flip side of focusing on the fasting window. It's focusing on optimizing the time of day that you eat. And we're gonna talk more about that here in a minute. So like I said, most intermittent fasting programs and teachers are focusing on this kind of static window of fasting, usually promoting a 16 hour fast, uh, day in, day out, year round. You know, they're fasting the same amount of time each day. And that's totally fine. It's healthy for most people. It's a good strategy. But one thing that is becoming more clear in science is the magic of metabolic health is steeped in variation. If you remember the podcast I did on busting through metabolic plateaus, the key strategy is the variation, the change up. You know, we talked about how, you know, it's pretty well known that if you're doing the same exercise day in and day out, your body becomes used to that, you know, it kind of it shifts in a way that it works less hard. Um, it gets really efficient at doing it. And so it's why it's good that we change up our, you know, our exercise that we do. And it's kind of the same way with our di dietary strategy. And that's why feasting and fasting is such an awesome, effective dietary strategy. If we look historically, our ancestors were not getting the exact same number of calories every single day. They weren't eating the exact same foods every single day. They weren't fasting the exact same amount of time every day, right? I mean, it's not like they were logging into my fitness pal to track their calories and macros and make sure they hit that target. They weren't setting their timers 
to make sure they hit a 16 hour fast, you know, their eating patterns, their fasting patterns, their movement patterns would have been determined by what was going on around them, you know, seasonally with the earth. They ate based on what was available seasonally. They fasted according to the light and to the darkness. These things change. We do not have one weather pattern, one light pattern, one growing season. There is variation within creation. And our ancestors were in sync with creation. And I think this is a really important thing for us to consider. It would have been natural for them to have a longer eating window when the days were longer and a shorter eating window when the days were shorter. It would have been intuitive to fast less when the days were longer and more when the days were shorter. So shorter fasts in the summertime, longer fasts in the wintertime. Now what determines how we qualify a long day from a short day? Light. Light is longer in the summer and shorter in the winter. Who made the light? Who is the light? Who made our bodies? Who made the food that grows for our bodies? Our Lord, our creator, our great provider. God made our bodies to work with and respond to light. It's part of our circadian rhythm. You know, our body naturally follows a 24-hour cycle that controls our cells' metabolic activity, including digestion, hormone production, detoxification. The functions within our bodies have their own internal clock, their preferred time of day or night for activity. Okay, and one of the things that helps signal these functions is the light or the dark. All right, for instance, leptin, that's the put down the fork sister hormone, generally peaks at night to shut down that eating train. While ghrelin, the pick up the fork sister hormone, normally rises to its highest level during the day to encourage eating, to encourage eating during the day, right? We want to shut it down at night. We want to eat during the day. That is how our hormones are supposed to work. Bowel movements are influenced by an inner clock through the production of different hormones, you know, which promote gastrointestinal movement soon after you wake up. And so science is showing that circadian clock disruptions are linked to numerous human diseases, including obesity, metabolic syndrome, diabetes, sleep disorder, depression, and even cancer. So this concept of circadian rhythm and the way our bodies are supposed to function within that, the way that our bodies are designed to function within that is very important. As humans, we are diurnal beings, which means that we're more active during the day and designed to rest at night. This is opposite of a nocturnal being, which is more active during the night and resting in the day, you know, like a rat or a teenager. <laughs> um, now eating is meant to be more of a daytime activity, right? Our body is set up to best receive and process food during the daylight hours. So that's going to be a little longer in the summer, a little shorter in the window. Our eating window is going to naturally vary based on the time of the year. And therefore our fasting window is going to vary based on the time of the year. 
the way we eat is also you know, going to vary naturally based on the time of the year. In the summer, when more carbs are abundant, it's natural to eat more carbs. In the winter, when the ground is frozen and plant foods are less available, it would be natural to eat less carbs and more fat and protein because that's what would be more available. I hate to tell you, but summer is supposed to be the fattening up season so that we can store up fuel for the winter. More carbs in summer, more carbs in the diet means more stored fat, more stored energy for the body to use when there is less energy or less food available in the winter. This was a big aha moment for me when I figured this out because every summer I'd beat myself up for fasting less and eating and drinking more. <laughs> and not that this is permission to overeat and overdrink in the summer, okay? A lot of us are doing that right now. It's not permission to do that. But, you know, understanding that we are hardwired in our internal clocks to take advantage of more carbs and longer eating days during the summer, you know, I, I know it gave me a little grace-filled insight. Now, in modern times, we take this too far because we have all foods available all year long with the addition of processed foods that our ancestors did not have. So even, you know, which processed foods are pretty much carbohydrates. Um, and so we just have excess carbohydrates available to us not just in the summer, but all year long. Plus, we have light available at all times of the day. You know, this is a relatively new thing if we're looking historically, right? And while this progress and convenience is wonderful, on one hand, on the other, we have taken carb eating, night eating, night light to the extreme, you know, when we have our TVs and our iPads and our phones and our faces till 11 o'clock at night, right? And so all of these things create confusion for our inner clock and disrupt the synergistic way we're supposed to sync with earthly elements. It's good to be aware of this. You know, it helps build the case for understanding our natural feeding and fasting windows and how that can vary based on the time of the year. So really, you know, there are a few main points that I want you to take away from this information today. Okay, the first is that our bodies best utilize food in the daytime as it aligns with our circadian and diurnal clock. Now, along with that, is that an earlier time feeding window is more beneficial health wise than a later in the day feeding window. I don't want you to freak out if you're someone who breaks her fast and starts eating late in the day. In the grand scheme of things, getting a good fast in is fantastic in and of itself. But if we're talking ideally and how to best support the circadian and diurnal rhythm, then breaking your fast in the morning would be better. Like I said, if you're on a roll with your current fasting and feeding window and not breaking it till noon or later and it's working for you, great. No worries. But an instance that I might suggest a change for someone um, would be someone who has adrenal issues, uh, a dysregulated cortisol pattern. I have several clients out there, some of you probably listening, you know, that your adrenal tests came back and your cortisol rhythms all jacked up, right? And so um, one thing, you know, I'm always telling you here to do is to make sure that you're getting that light in your eyes during the day. And shutting down the lights or wearing your blue blocker glasses at night. Okay, that's one thing that we help do. But also eating at a more traditional, more traditional times, like a more traditional breakfast time, say between like 7 and 10, 
would be one of the ways that you could help restore that cortisol pattern. Just getting that light into your eyes in the morning tells your body where it is in space and time. Food can do that as well. You know, light and eating are inputs our bodies associate with daytime. Our bodies are set up to receive and utilize those inputs in the daytime and they signal other mechanisms in our bodies like hormones, right? So it's all this stuff working together. So you may not be hearing that many places yet um, as far as that a feeding window. We're talking about like a time-restricted eating in this feeding window and trying to figure out where we want that during the day um, is, you know, a better kind of shifted earlier than shifted later. Um, but as fasting gets studying more scientifically, we're learning about how to dial it in better. And honestly, I mean, it makes sense, right? You don't, I'm not saying you have to eat the second you get up, you know, but being hungry and eating by mid morning, you know, that's a reasonable target. I've always been more of an early, early faster, meaning, you know, I typically eat earlier at night and eat earlier in the morning. That's kind of my schedule where some people eat later at night and then they break their fast later in the day. So that's what I'm talking about. If we're trying to be ideal and really work in sync with our circadian rhythm, it's that kind of earlier time feeding window that is going to align better with that. I usually break my fast around 9 a.m. It's just that in the summer, I eat dinner later. So that fast is going to be shorter, right? But I'm pretty consistent with um, the breakfast, that break fast time. Um, so, okay, the other thing that I hope you're taking away from today is that it is 100% natural, okay, and even helpful to vary your feeding and fasting times and patterns. You know, again, there's no one magic number for everybody. And that this variation is okay. I would love at some point down the road to tweak feast to fast to sync up more seasonally with these feasting and fasting patterns based on the light and the time of the year. Maybe that's like next level, you know, like feast to fast 2.0. But the way we do it now, I think it's, we do it really, really well. You know, we keep that fasting window flexible. I recommend that 12 to 16 hours, which is kind of a normal, you know, intermittent fasting window. And you can do it the same, you know, the same fast every single day if you love that, you know, consistent 16 hour or change it up over the week based on work, what works best for you. Like I said, my fasts over the summer have definitely been shorter, more like, you know, even 10 to 12 hours. And I will straight up confess that a lot of that is because of wine. <laughs> I don't tend to eat late, um, but the vino stretches it out, you know, stretches out that, that feeding window more and you can't start your fast till you bottoms up your glass. Um, so as we get back into the swing of the school year and move into the fall, my fast will be longer. You know, I run about a 14 hour average fast during the week um, as we, you know, as I move back into the, the fall. Um, and then, but on the weekends, my fasts are usually shorter, more like 12 hours. And as we move into the winter, I'll definitely hit more 16 hour fast because we eat earlier and I go to bed earlier. I mean, if it was up to me, I'd crawl in bed at like, you know, seven and go to sleep. But um, it's usually more like between eight and nine. I mean, I get in bed then, but I don't necessarily fall asleep then. But, um, you know, when it's dark outside, I'm like, want to shut it down, y'all. Shut her on down and get in bed. Um, so I kind of 
naturally adopt these seasonal patterns. But like I said, some Feast of Fasters like to do a straight up 16 hour fast every day. And that's awesome too. The beauty of Feast of Fast is the structured flexibility. You know, you make it work to fit your needs, your goals, and your busy life. So I hope that sharing this information with you today is giving you some perspective that it's, you know, okay to change things up, whether it's seasonally or weekly, and that you are not a failure if you're not hitting a 16 hour fast every single day. I think we have, you know, a lot of people feel like that's what's going on around you. And you just feel like if you're not hitting that, that as a goal every single day, then you're not doing it. And that's just not the case. And again, you know, I'm purely fascinated by this as it relates to how we are meant to work in sync as part of God's creation, with God's creation, you know, with the light, with the darkness, with um, the seasons. Um, And it just lends this spiritual meaning to practicing intermittent fasting and honoring the God, the way God designed our bodies to work. I hope that you're going to join us for the next round of Feast of Fast. We start August 17th. And I am looking forward to my annual transition from summer eating (laughs) to fall eating. And I'm looking forward to getting to work with you, my friend. You can go to feastofast.co to sign up. As always, thank you for listening. I am so grateful that you do and so grateful for the wonderful feedback that you give me. I appreciate it so much. Have a healthy and blessed week, and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.